You are listening to the 108 Bricks podcast. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at 108 Bricks Pod and get involved with the conversation using the hashtag 108 Bricks. Also, be sure to go ahead and follow us on Facebook too. Go ahead and give us a like. And we post the latest Cubs news and updates right there, and you can get involved with each show on Facebook and Twitter. And good day, Cubs fans. Curtis Koch along with... Dylan Buck White, how you doing, guys? Very enthusiastic. I'm a little tired. I think we all this morning. I don't know why. I just woke up. It's the middle of January. Actually, no, it's February. Now that we're uh, yeah, happy February, everybody. February, uh, two weeks until uh, pitchers and catchers report for the Cubs to spring training. Very exciting to see all of that kind of coming into fruition, and hopefully, uh, we got a great season ahead of us here and. I think the one thing in particular, though, that, I mean, we've been talking about this for the whole offseason, though, Dylan, the hot stove or lack of thereof hot stove. Yeah, the non-existent hot stove. It's still very cold. And there was some stuff that happened around the division that has Cubs fans kind of, you know, looking over their shoulder a little bit here because over the last few years, we've been kind of used to the Cubs running away with it. And um, one of the teams in the Central just got a lot better. And uh, it's definitely one of those things that um, that Cubs fans are definitely going to keep their keep their eyes on it. But more importantly, well, it's pretty insane because we are now we are eleven days until pitchers and catchers report, and the Cubs are still without a number four starting pitcher. Uh, A lot of teams are actually, and there's a lot of big names that are still left out on the market that have not been signed and we'll go over more of those later but obviously all eyes have been on pitching ever since pretty much the offseason began and it just seems like every day now a new story comes out regarding you darvish who is the number one pitcher uh free agent pitcher on the market right now yeah uh, about a new team getting involved about a deal changing about just literally every single excuse you could make is happening and now we're 11 days before pitchers and catchers report he still hasn't been signed that's got to be stressful for a player like that who you don't know if you're going to florida you don't know if you're going to arizona you don't know like where you're going to be at all yet well, obviously then, you want to get the, the right contract union, and then the players yeah. union wants them to uh or i don't know if it was the the union or if it was the um the players themselves were thinking about starting their own um like spring training team and we're thinking about that they would just play spring training games. Which got shot down pretty quickly. Yeah. But part of me is like, well, why would you want to do that in the first place? You're already in shape. You don't need to be like finding like an excuse to show off your talents in front of GMs. I mean, people know what you're, at least the baseball people that are. And that was the reason. Worth. That's basically the reason it got shut down is they were saying, well, these players already have access to professional level facilities yeah. on their own to work out, to get things done, to get themselves ready for the season. They don't need they, they don't need their own camp to go against and play uh, to play other teams. If they wanted to play other teams, they would sign with a team and start getting the building the synergy, um, getting the practice in with your teammates and getting ready for the season, which just makes absolutely no sense. But 
It's kind of crazy because I, I understand where the players are coming from because they still want to get into that routine of spring training and everything. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, man, with all these teams that aren't willing to spend a lot of money, and I think a lot of teams are actually kind of worried about trying to spend up those $100 million contracts because of the fact that, you know, when you look in years past, there has been a, a there hasn't been a lot of hundred million dollar contracts that have really worked out for teams. Um, I mean, the Cubs have one that's been good one and one that's been bad on both sides. Um, the one that's been good has been John Lester's, I think. Um, but the one that hasn't been good has been Hayward's. And, you know, now I think with teams that they're seeing next year, you know, if they want to spend their next hundred million dollar contract, they really got to do it with, you know, the, uh, um, two free agents that are Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. But, the fact that there hasn't been any contract really above, actually, I think Lorenzo Cain's well, going to the Brewers for just a, a brief moment. They, they're the only ones that have really spent the money, and I think Cain's is actually the most money that's been given out this offseason yep. so far. And that's it. There hasn't been anything over a hundred million dollars, which hasn't happened in a while. I mean, at, at this point, we're kind of on a on a rate where we might think that there won't be a contract given out for over a hundred million dollars. And you know, for a lot of players who are hitting free agency for their first time you know, like uh, Eric Hosmer and, you know, Jake Arrieta. Um, it, it's definitely sucks because of the fact that, you know, they definitely w- wish that they could, you know, be that able to get that contract that they wanted and, you know, show their worth. But I don't think teams, I think teams are just kind of holding up on the the big money spending. And I don't know. And that's kind of, uh, it sort of leads into what I want to talk about because, Obviously, you Darvish still has not signed a contract. Now mm-hmm. that could that could change at a, a moment's notice. But what does it mean for the Cubs now? Like, wh- how are we going to change any deals? Is our number going to go up? Is our number going to go down? I think we've. It seems like over the past few weeks, especially in January, that the um, general idea is that we are looking for somewhere around a four-year deal for like 130, 150 million dollars with either you Darvish or Jake Arrieta. Um, that seems to be the number that the Cubs have been throwing out a lot. And unfortunately, that is not the number that either of those players are looking for. Both of them want more years and both of them want more money. And I think yeah. that has been a big part of delaying it. So if you're the Cubs now, what do you do to fix this? Do you, do you bite? Do you go for a five to six year, maybe even a seven year contract or do you even offer more money in a four-year deal potentially and risk even more money on a potentially really bad contract? And so it's, it's a pretty interesting fine line that the team has to walk right now. I want to hear your thoughts on that, Curtis. Yeah, I, for me, I don't know. For the Cubs, I think they're being smart about it. I don't think the fact that they're spending over $100 million for you know all these free agents to kind of just fill their holes is a bad thing. Now, the only one I would have really kind of debated about using the money to um, to keep would have been Wade Davis um, or maybe going out and getting Greg Holland. Both he went two, off the market very fast. Yeah, and those two guys both are – well, Holland is still on the market, but Davis in particular, the year he had with the Cubs last year, um, I, I thought that he would probably have been the exception of maybe giving him – you know, maybe three years, $60 million, whatever the the number was that he was asking for. Um, But I think a lot of players, especially, you know, guys like Tyler Chatwood, who signed early, we just mentioned Wade Davis, um, a few other guys, you know, them not really holding out and just taking what they get right away. I think that was really smart on their part because, 
you know, for a lot of these big name players that might not get the big contracts that they're looking at, the even the players that are still not as good that are out there, you know, that are still looking mm. to get signed somewhere, they're not even getting signed. And that's surprising is that you're not seeing any money being tossed around. You're seeing, I think, more trades um, around this offseason than probably a little bit more so than the signings, obviously, or at least the rumors aspect of it. But I think the Cubs are being smart with their money. I don't think that they're um, spending it in the wrong places. I think that what they should have done, you know, with what their plan was, I mean, maybe not what they should have done, but I think what the Cubs would have liked to have done would maybe would have been to keep a, a Wade Davis or sign a Greg Holland. But um, I think once they saw that they got, you know, Brandon Morrow and they got a few other guys, I think they realized that that they have at least a really solid bullpen. It's just more so it's just built around middle relievers. It's, there's not really a solidified, a solidified closer role. And part of me wonders, is Morrow going to be that closer for the beginning and then maybe C.J. Edwards takes over as the closer. I'm not sure what they're planning on doing there. So here's the problem I really see right now with the Cubs and their closer situation. I know you talked about Brandon Morrow and um, a few of the other guys they brought in and even possibly C.J. Edwards being that closer role. And I think going into this season, they'll be they're going to go by a closer by committee. Um, I don't like that personally. I wanted them to go out and sign someone like Wade Davis or Holland or any of the other designated closers out there to that role and to that position because of how valuable it is and how much how many how many teams have really benefited from having a top tier closer in their organization compared to others who haven't. Now, if it works, then good on the Cubs. Like that that's going to be something they like to do. Um, I think maybe Joe Madden's system will work better with it because he loves to go with these guys who can pitch. They'll, he'll bring him in in the seventh for a three inning save, or he'll bring him in the eighth uh, for a two inning save. You'll be seeing closers hit. We saw, we saw Wade Davis had to take an at bat. We've seen um, Aroldis Chapman have to take an at bat. You don't see those things that often in the major leagues for designated closers. Usually they just come in the ninth, they do their job and they're done. Yeah, and, and that's it. If it go if it goes extra innings, then they're just kind of, they just get taken out of the game. They, they, their job is to go in the game, get three outs and leave. And so maybe that, maybe that influenced the Cubs decision a little more to going with the closer by committee, just because of how unorthodox Joe Madden uses his bullpen, I can say, but I, I still would have loved to see the money spent on a better closer and then maybe pick up a guy like Alex Cobb. But you even look at the free agent market. Now it's basically hinging all on you Darvish on once he goes, everyone else is going to follow suit because he'll be the standard. Then teams will start being like, okay, use off the market. Who else is left? Then Jake Arrieta is going to go somewhere. Then Alex Cobb is going to go somewhere. And then everyone else will start falling into, into suit. Yeah, I feel I, like, and, and it's also and it's also affecting the position players because there's some teams out there, like maybe potentially the Brewers or um, the Dodgers or even you could put in Boston possibly was in that mix or the Yankees even were in that mix who are who are in need of both pitchers and position players and they need to know are we spending our money on a top tier pitcher or are we going to go out there and go go and get a guy like Eric Hosmer or Mike Moustakis or or anyone else really in that matter because they just don't know and once that once that first guy goes then teams can maybe actually start assessing their other options and enacting plan Bs before plan A ever happens. Yeah. 
And I think part of that too is when you look at the, you just mentioned a little bit ago how Darvish, once he goes, the the rest of the market will follow. I think too, like with teams, I, I mean, I could totally agree with that, that the market will follow. But I think at the same time, I think, I think um, while players are anxious to see how that domino will fall, I think other teams are kind of um, uh, cringing at the fact of, you know, once Darvish falls, you know, then the market is set for what they have to spend on. And that's going to be something that teams are going to really have to deal with is because if they decide to, you know, if Darvish goes for four years, um, $145, million, $150 million, whatever that is, I think other teams are going to be like, oh, well, crap. If if he wants that, Jake Arrieta is going to want this if, if a team is still looking to um, add a starting pitcher. Um, but the fact that these players haven't really budged on their asking prices a little, I mean, I'm sure Arietta has come down with his price a little bit because of the fact that of how the, just the market has gone out. But I think in general too, it's just been one of the, those off seasons where it's like, geez, like, you know, you think that these guys would have gone to, um, you know, uh, teams like Boston or New York or Philadelphia or whatever, whatever the, their teams of destination might be, but it hasn't gone that way. Um, the Cubs and the White Sox both have been very quiet um, this offseason. The Cubs have made more noise than the White Sox, um, for just for obvious reasons, because the Cubs are still a contending team while the White Sox are rebuilding. But, you know, when you look around the league, I mean, Arizona, they're seemingly going to let J.D. Martinez walk. Um, at least that's what it's kind of appearing. Eric Hosmer is still out there, as we mentioned, Arietta, um, Masahiro Tanaka, Mike Moustakis, Greg Holland, I mean, all these guys who are great, talented players. I mean, they're all they, just kind of on hold because yeah, they don't, they, nobody <laughs> knows what the market value is. Nobody wants to pay someone when they don't know what the market value is. And literally nothing will happen until people start signing and those top guys start to go. And unfortunately, that, that's this like situation with you. Darvish is just so I, ca- I wanted to call it. I want to call it out of hand in a way, because like how how much longer are you going to wait on this? Like the most recent thing was two days ago the Brewers were talking more about it. And then the next day now you have you driver saying, well, he may want to go back to the Dodgers or potentially the Yankees. And now his agent is waiting on talking with anyone else because they want to see if those teams can clear up money. It's like there's new teams jumping in and out every day. One day it's the Cubs. The other day it's the Brewers. The other day it's the Dodgers. Well, the other just, day it's, it's the Yankees. It's just like, no, wh- what team is the front runner on this? What's going on in this situation? Well, the like, are I they think, just playing games with us? Like, we don't know anymore. Uh, well, I think that's the thing. Nobody knows who the front runner is, and I think all those are just kind of rumors. I don't think you can really base, I mean, the, these negotiations really until you know we ask Darvish or whoever themselves once they're finally signed, if they get signed. By the way, this is an interesting thing. Can you imagine if this class of free agents was their own team? Yeah, it'd be pretty insane. Like that, kind of fun an- to watch. Martinez in the outfield, Mustakis at third, Hosmer at first, um, Arietta and Darvish leading the rotation, Greg Holland to close. I mean, literally, if, be if fun. Major League Baseball was like, hey, let's start an expansion team. You could just get these free agents into that town or that city and start. A yeah, that'd be funny because they threatened me like, well, if you guys haven't signed, you're all going to the expansion team. Yeah. I Problem mean, solved right there. You got you got your rotation. You got your infield almost set already. <laughs> it's I mean, pretty insane if you think that's about what, it. That'd be really funny to see how that would all kind of pan out. Um, we should move on, though, because even though we've been talking about how the, the market is very stagnant and not really happening and everything like that, um, 
I think that when you look at the other team um, in the league, the Brewers, and oh, by the way, the Cubs did sign um, Chris Jimenez, who was Darvish's personal catcher we mentioned before. Um, he to a was minor league deal. To a minor league deal with an invite to spring training, which is good. So I think- here's, here's what I get from this, and it actually backs up what you had said a couple episodes back about Victor Carantini. I think they're going to go with Victor Carantini for this backup spot. Obviously, they have Jimenez in there, and he's probably going to be uh, battling with Carantini at spring training for that backup spot. Obviously, we're going to go with Wilson for number one. That's mm-hmm. pretty obvious. Going now, looking at number two and number three, you obviously have Victor Carantini, and then you have Chris Jimenez. You have a veteran presence and basically virtually I think he'd be still considered a rookie. I don't know if he hit the maximum or minimum number of games last year to be get full rookie status, but you were saying that he's going to be the backup. You want him working under Contreras. I was saying I would rather get a, another veteran back in there like Alex Avila because of I, I just would love Wilson working under another veteran again, giving him more experience, just giving him more time to mature. But it seems like the Cubs maybe going with Carantini as that option with that signing. Um, yeah, and I think Jimenez was just kind of one of those guys where, I mean, when you think about it too, most teams go with three catchers. You know what I mean? I mean, the yeah. Cubs at one point last year had uh, Rene Rivera, Alex Avila, and Contreras on their roster. So and technically picked the Carantini for a while too. Well, Carantini was he up. was he was covering for first base once in a while. So yeah, well, but he also was there because of Miguel Montero, the whole Montero yeah. situation and that and that fallout. Um, but the other thing too is that when you look at, um, oh, by the way, speaking of Avila, he signed with um, the Diamondbacks, um, which good for him. He was able to find a deal in all this chaotic nonsense that is the offseason this year. Um, it, it is interesting though because it was one of those things where you're like, okay, like, you know, maybe they do go with Carantini. Maybe they, maybe they're going to get him at, well, once they signed Jimenez, I, I was more confident that, okay, this is kind of like a, a mirror image to what happened with John Lester. I mean, first you signed him and then you might as well just sign his personal catcher, except I think they did the other way and kind of hope and t- trying to entice you Darvish to come to the Cubs was just because of the fact that, Hey, you, you, we have your, uh, we have your guy, and uh, it'd be great if you were able to join us. And um, mm-hmm. I don't think you and uh, um, Chris Jimenez have that close relationship as Lester and um, um, no. David Ross and did. Ross. But it was still something enticing. And it, and the thing is, though, is that if Darvish signs with the Cubs, great. You know, you still have um, Jimenez to at least compete as a backup catcher and also just kind of serve as another veteran presence in the locker room and everything. And, you know, if you don't get Darvish, that's fine. But then Jimenez still has a chance to make the team out of spring training. And um, he might be that third catcher that we're seeing a lot of teams starting to carry now. Um, you know, with Contreras being the one, maybe Carantini and and, um, and Jimenez getting time be- equal time behind the plate as like the two, inter- the number two catcher just kind of flipping back and forth whenever. Um, and then Carantini, like you were just saying, Dylan, could cover for Rizzo at first base, which would also be a, a really good idea too, to have, you know, Rizzo get a few days off here and there um, and have Carantini cover at first base. Um, but no, that that's another thing too. Um, that's enticing about the whole you Darvish situation. And, you know, as we're actually recording right now, I, I just came across an article um, or a, I guess a blog post from um, Bleacher Nation 
Um, mm-hmm. And according to and he, uh, Brett Taylor, who runs the website, um, was quoting a John Heyman's article. And um, the article is mostly about how the Brewers um, aggressive in the pitching market. And Heyman mentioned that um, almost offhand um, sources have been telling him that Darvish already has at least one five-year offer twins or maybe the brewers in parentheses in question mark and multiple offers of at least a hundred million dollars those teams plus the cubs who are reportedly in on jake arietta at about four years 110 million um but that's not where darvish is looking to be instead reportedly seeking something closer to a seven-year 175 million dollar deal steven strasberg if, if we're getting close to seven that's in, just out of our realm of possibility yeah steven strasberg received um kind of like the same sort of deal um, but he's, you kind of wants a similar deal that Strasburg got. Cause Strasburg got, I think a seven year, 180, $175 million deal from the nationals. Um, and he would have hit free agency after the 2016 season. So the Nats were able to extend him and, um, keep him on their rotation. But, you know, Darvish, there's a, there's a big gap there. That's, um, keeping him on the market still. And, you know, who knows what will yeah. happen between now and then, but that's, that's not a good sign if you're a Cubs fan because I mean it might be a good sign if the Brewers were to go out and spend that money, um, but I think they're going to be smart. The Brewers are going to be smart about it and decide to you know what let's make a trade for this, a guy and maybe we consider about consider maybe signing this guy because the Brewers I think Dylan are are really close to getting the to the Cubs. I mean really yeah. close. They they just need a few more pieces to fill in and then basically basically they're done. And if you didn't know about the Brewers. They went out and made some moves the other week. They brought in uh, Kristen Yelich in a trade with the Marlins. And then the same day decided to go out and sign Lorenzo Cain to a deal. Basically winning free agency as of now, in my in my opinion, with at, these at two least, moves. I would at least say that in the National League Central. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to see where the rest of these players go. Um, but as of right now, yes, I guess I would say the Brewers are the winners of um, the offseason so far. Um, getting Yelich with five more years of control at a cheap cost, that's great. They had to give up four prospects for that, though, um, which is kind of funny because Giancarlo Stanton's return um, from the Marlins, or excuse me, when the Marlins traded Stanton, the return they got from the Yankees wasn't nearly enough of what they they should have gotten in return for a guy that almost had 60 home runs last season. Yeah. Um, but even still, the fact that you know they they were able to get Yelich, they'll compete in the National League Central, and then they signed Lorenzo Cain, which I've mentioned this a few times, Dylan, off air on the podcast here when we've been in, hanging out in person and everything, is that I don't think the Lorenzo Cain deal is going to go well for the Brewers. I mean, with Cain up, I, I believe he's thirty four. I mean, you might get one or two good years out of him, but they have him on five years, eighty million dollar deals. I think Brewers fans are going to or the Brewers in general, are probably going to regret that contract in the next... I think you've mentioned this to me like every time we end up talking about the Brewers. Well, I know. Man, this this Kane deal, they're really going to regret it in a few years. And and I I always came back with, well, I think... Oh, no, he's he's 31. Yeah. And, well, whoever the front office is right now in Milwaukee, I think they, they definitely just see a window based on the contracts that they have, the players that they have, the age of the players that they have. Um, they see this window of opportunity, um, just like the Cubs did when um, twenty or twenty sixteen came around. We started bringing up all those young guys, and we're in this. We're in. We're still in our window of opportunity. We had it's ours. Ours set up to last a lot longer. Yeah. But you have this time where, like, okay, 
we had a good team last year and it showed they got they almost won the division from the Cubs. Obviously, they had that late season they'd fall off, but they they're like, we have the, the the ability and the pieces there to go out and compete for a championship. We mm-hmm. just need to come in now and get a few guys that we need to round out the team. And I think that's what they're doing. And that's why we see these big contracts. That's why obviously Yelich was a steal, but the Lorenzo Cain deal, like we're like, we're going to give this guy whatever money we need because we know we're going get, to get at least a few years out of him. That'll give us our best chance of getting the championship in a few years. Now all we got to do is go out and get some pitching and we can round out our team and make them and make a run for it because they only have maybe one, maybe three max years of being possibly yeah. super competitive. And then they're they're gonna they're kind of gonna fizzle out. They're, you said Lorenzo Cain's getting older. Uh, Ryan Braun, who knows what in the hell's gonna happen with him? Like, they're I, I can respect what they're doing, and it's gonna come back to bite them later. And that sort of seemed to be the way a lot of MLB teams were operate. They're either gonna they're gonna yeah. go full rebuild, or they're gonna take what they have and try to go out there and compete it every year. So I respect it. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun baseball in the NL Central for the few years. But as you said. Like, let's look at year four, year five of these deals, and it's going to bite I mean, them. They may not be dollars. good. Kane, don't get me wrong. Kane had a, a, a really solid year last year. I mean, he's been actually pretty much since 2014. He's been offensively pretty solid. 301, 307, 287, and 300 in his last four years of his batting average. Um, wins above replacement, 5.1, 7.2, 2.9, 5.3, again, from... 2014 onwards so he's a, he's a valuable player but you know i'm looking at that deal for them 31 years old two that's why i say two years until he's 33 he's going into his age 34 season you still got three years left on the steel you're basically going to have him until he's 37 if if not definitely until at least he's 36 37 years old and then you know what are you going to do with you know that rest of that contract when it gets yeah. to that point maybe the brewers buy him out or trade him i don't know cry but, <laughs> maybe that too um at, at first glance i the the cane deal is looking at least offensively i mean he'll be in a hitter hitter's ballpark so for him it'll be nice he'll those numbers will probably be inflated a little bit for this season but i still think that um i still think that it'll be interesting to see where um this goes with them the yelich deal is great for them um they gave up some prospects obviously that's gonna hurt their farm system but at the same time, it's going to definitely be one of those things that puts them over the top in terms of their competition. Now, Ryan Braun, I think, is said to be at least rumored to make the transition to first base. But then you got to wonder what happens with Eric Thames because Thames was really good for them at first base. But I think he plays a little bit of outfield, too. Um, but knowing what he brings to the table, um, Braun is, at, that is at least, you know, having him, you know, be that sort of guy that can be there. But Thames was 31 I mean, he's got a cheap deal. He's got $4 million on the contract and stuff. Um, but he's definitely, you know, <laughs> not Thames. Uh, Braun is definitely one of those guys that's probably willing to make the adjustment to go play first base to have a better outfielder like Christian Yelich go out there. But then, you know, around the around the team, the, the Brewers offense is looking pretty good. I mean, Travis Shaw had 30 home runs last year. You can slug year. your way to a World Series. That's always a possibility. Yeah, and, you know, we mentioned – before I mentioned this to you again in person, but not on the podcast, is that even with this trade, the Brewers are still so far underneath the salary cap or luxury cap, whatever you want to call it, 
that they can still trade for a starting pitcher, like a, a guy like maybe a Chris Archer or um, uh, I can't think of any other uh, Chris Archer or um, another guy out there and still still sign a guy like a, a Jake Arrieta or a, a Hugh Darvish or um, a Lance Lynn or, and, you know, really kind of put their rotation over the top because they have a lot of young arms in that uh, that uh, team right there. The rotation with Zach Davies, who was really good last year. Uh, Jimmy uh, Nelson was is a pretty solid starter for them. I mean, they've got a lot of young arms to work with in that rotation, but if you add a, a Chris Archer and and or like a Danny Salazar or something like that, and that or a Chris Art, if you trade for a Chris Archer or Danny Salazar and then you sign a U Darvish, that's going to put them over the top. But I I would actually say that they would be the favorites to probably take the central away from the Cubs. Um, I still think the Cubs would, as of right now, are the favorites to win that division, but the Brewers are really up there. And I think actually the Brewers are probably past the Cardinals at this point um, in terms of their rise. And it's been, it's going to be interesting to see because uh, they have a lot of pieces there in Milwaukee that they could move and really decide to make a run for it here and give the Cubs some, uh, some trouble. It'll be fun. Uh, I think the division will be great this year, and we'll see what happens down the line. Obviously, there's possible regrets on that, but because free agents are the number one talk of the town, we got a few on our list because Cubs news is pretty slow right now. Not gonna lie. So we're gonna we're, we're expand we're gonna expand a little bit more out to look at the rest of the market, and we have a list of about six six names. And our picks for where these players are going to go when, whenever they decide to actually sign with a team before spring training, hopefully within the next 11 days. Um, let's just start off right away. Our top of our list right now, we have J.D. Martinez. Yeah, so, and so for this, we're just going to, real quick, we're going to list off a few of the names of the free agents that we've talked about and uh, say which team would fit best for them to go back to and um, just from there kind of just give our reasoning and explanation. Dylan, you can go first. So we got JD Martinez on there and I have him going to Boston. Um, The Red Sox have been in on him for a while. Um, I think Arizona is going to let him walk right now, but who, who the hell knows right now because no one has an idea. Um, but Martinez seems to be looking around five years, 125 million. It would work with them. The only issue I see with this is he'll, he'll be a great, um, addition to the team. He'll run out, he'll round out that outfield really nice with players that they already have. And that they, the Red Sox are a somewhat young team that like have these sparks of really good plays and then just sort of fall off. Yeah. So just getting more consistent guys, getting guys like I think a long term deal would benefit them the most just because of then you can have guys on the team for a while, sort of get them rolling with that and then get them more consistent. Um, the only issue that that with this deal would be if they had decide to add Martinez, it would definitely put them under the luxury tax being in Boston and being in a big market. It probably won't affect them as much. For me, that's the only thing I see holding them back from that sort of deal. Yeah. The other thing too. Um, oh, by the way, as I'm as we're recording this right now, um, Mark Gonzalez, um, Cubs writer for um, here in the city of Chicago, uh, just said that the Cubs have agreed to terms with a minor league deal on speedy outfielder Peter Borges. Um, mm. So that's probably a chance for him to try to make the team, but I don't think that's 
of any really significance. For me, I'm going back to our picks. I'm going to go with J.D. Martinez going back to Arizona. Um, he and Paul Goldschmidt were the heart of that Diamondbacks offense. And the Diamondbacks were really close to something pretty special there. And I really thought for a while that with the signings that they had and, you know, with Paul Goldschmidt there and, you know, you also have uh, Zach Grinke and um, the rotation actually also had a really solid year. I thought for sure that the Diamondbacks would have been a, a player in the J.D. Martinez sweepstakes and try to keep him in Arizona. Um, but hasn't been much the case. And I still think Arizona has a, a good shot um, for um, getting J.D. back to the desert. Um, I, I definitely think, though, it's going to cost a little bit of money. Um, so with that being said, it, it's going to be tough for them to try to come to terms with the money. But I I'd still think Arizona is one of those teams that, you know, if you have him and Paul Goldschmidt in that lineup, that's a really solid lineup. I mean, his defense is okay for an outfielder, at least for his position, but I think his bat is what's really going to speak in terms of how um, he plays, and we've seen him develop as a hitter the last few years and be just really overall a great player, and I think he's going to be a guy that's going to really take off um, within the next few years um, and kind of carry that team offensively. That actually, I think would have been a better deal for the Brewers would be going after J.D. Martinez. But I think Martinez wants, you know, 200 plus million dollars, which I don't think teams are going to cough up for. Um, Next, uh, Eric Hosmer, I have him going to Boston. Um, At first base right now on their, on Boston's depth chart, they have Mitch Moreland. Um, Hanley Ramirez did play a little bit of time at first base, but he wasn't the solid or as solid as a guy. Um, Eric Hosmer has been one of the best hitters in the American league um, over the last uh, few seasons. Last year, he was third in batting average. He was second in terms of collective hits that he had. I mean, the guy was just, you know, really good. And in, in a ballpark that's actually pretty tough to to hit home runs, and he actually had some pop to him still. Um, so I, I would actually think Boston would be a great fit for Hosmer. He'd get to play first base. He'd be right in the heart of that lineup. Hanley Ramirez can focus on DHing, And then when you want to give Hosmer a day off and get Moreland in there, you could you know, do the flip and get them in there. Um, so I, I definitely think that's a, a thing that, um, the Red Sox are going to consider. Obviously we just talked about JD Martinez too. And cause we know Boston wants a bat, but, um, I think getting a, a, a nice first baseman, a left-handed first baseman for that matter, um, with the short pole or the short outfield in both right field and in left field. Um, I mean, either way you can't go wrong with either of those two hitters. But I think getting a first baseman would be better for just in terms of Hosmer's defense, too, because you get an upgrade at defense and at offense at that position. Whereas, I mean, already in, in left field, Andrew Benatendi, you know, runner up for rookie of the year and that sort of thing, easily could have um, taken bigger strides this year. And I think he will take those strides this year. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr., again, a solid outfielder. Um, hitting wise, he's definitely improved, but. His defense is where he shines out. Mookie bets too. So their outfield is pretty solid the way it is right now. Um, so I would think that getting Hosmer and getting him in that middle of that lineup would set the Red Sox on a good course. I See, I, I have Hosmer going back to Kansas City, mostly based on just the recent trends. How Kansas City is looking right now is <clears throat> they need to either sign Hosmer or Moustakis to a contract. They can't lose both of them. And just based on their needs, it, it seems like Hosmer will, will be that option. Like if you look at the depth chart right now for the Royals, their starting first baseman as of now is Hunter Dozier, who is 
26 years old and has 19 MLB career at bats. So you're already going to be struggling right there at your first base spot. You're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna bring back another solid first baseman, and Hosmer fits that bill perfectly. He's already been a great first baseman for them. Uh batted 318 last year, 25 home runs, 94 RBIs. You can't really get anything wrong with him. The only thing that's stopping it is his crazy asking price for um his contract. It was somewhere along the lines of seven plus year contract. 147 plus million dollars on the table. Um, there was that whole battle earlier between the Royals and the Padres that still hasn't been resolved. Nobody really is even talking about that anymore just because of the whole you Darvish thing. I just think it, it, to me, I think Kansas City is definitely okay with letting Mustakas go. They are not okay with letting um, Hosmer go and they want to try to get it as get him back. And so they're going to put all their money in there, especially after going going ahead and trading away Brandon Moss. They freed up a lot more um, cap space as well. And being a small market team, they're going to only be able to invest in one or two guys on these big long-term contracts because they can't afford that luxury tax. So I, I just think Hosmer is going to be that guy to fill their void. All right. Um, so. Going at, to number our next guy, Jake Arrieta, former Cub, obviously. Um I have him going to the Rangers um, more specifically because the Rangers really need starting pitching um, outside of Cole Hamels, who's getting up there in age two. They don't really have anybody else now that they're not uh, keeping you Darvish. It seems like. Um, so for me, I'm thinking the Rangers are going to be in there in terms of getting, keeping a guy and Arietta is from Texas. So I can see, you know, that connection. He might take a little bit, maybe of a, of a home team discount, so to speak to maybe stay in Texas and not, and be in a warm weather state instead of having to maybe go away to a um, like a Milwaukee or to a Minnesota or back here to the Cubs or anything like that. So um, for me, I think that's going to be a big thing. It's just for that aspect right there is the, uh, the, the Rangers and uh, Arietta might be a good fit for them for two, the two sides. I have them going to the Brewers. Um, unfortunately, I think the Brewers are still like the front runner for Jake out of anything. I think being a Cubs fan, it's pretty easy to block out and be like, nah, he's not going to go to the Brewers. He'll, he'll go to Texas. <laughs> he well, likes after, going to after Texas what they've in done, the heat. After what the Brewers, but, oops, excuse me. After what the Brewers <laughs> did um, uh, the other day with, you know, the whole Yelich and Kane signing, I, I don't, I'm not disregarding that at all. I think now that they've done that, I think the Brewers have shown that they're in right now and that they're And especially going now, well, there's rumors that they're talking with Tampa for a possible Chris Archer deal. And then they're certainly going to have the money to go off and and get a guy like Jake Arrieta. And I think they'll be the team to meet Jake's needs. Obviously, uh, with Scott Boris as his agent, it's going to be a process and a half to try to pick up Jake. But I think the Brewers, again, if they're going to give a deal like that to Lorenzo Cain, they'll probably give a deal like that to Jake Arrieta. And why not go after a guy like Jake Arrieta, who, although his velocity is downtrending, you have a veteran pitcher who still had uh, put up good, good numbers last year um, and has impeccable experience in the playoffs, which if the Brewers get in that situation is going to be invaluable to them. So I think they're definitely looking at Jake as a guy they want for a long-term deal and would be the team that'll go out there and pay him that money. Um, the next uh, guy we have on our list is another pitcher, uh, Masahiro Tanaka. Now, I have him going back to the Yankees. Um, I know you have something different, but I think the Yankees would be a perfect fit for him and a perfect fit for the Yankees, really. <laughs> um, they don't. The Yankees don't strike me as a team that are 
going to go out there and grab that ace, especially after um, this whole uh, the whole trade ordeal with their outfield. I think they're going to be looking for not 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 a uh, not a tier one pitcher per se. I think they're going to be looking down to tier twos, tier threes. The only other guy I could see filling that role is maybe they'll be going after Alex Cobb once that market opens up. But they have a guy who's already been solid in their rotation. Um, that's already pretty decent. Um, and I think they can go out and get Tanaka at a fairly decent price, especially once the market breaks and he'll just fit right back in, go right back into his spot at the rotation. The Yankees will have nothing really to lose from him. And it's just kind of a perfect fit when I look at it, really. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those teams. I think the way I look at it, um, I, I think the Yankees are still trying to get in on the U Darvish talks. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that they do. Um, they I, always I have like, the money. And I feel like if if the if you're the Yankees, would you rather have Tanaka or Darvish? And I think the Yankees would rather give the extra cash to to uh, to Darvish than to Tanaka. Um, I just don't I think anyone would. Yeah, I think anyone would too. I Tanaka to me, I think <laughs> his value right now is um, well, he's still a talented pitcher. I don't think he quite lived up to the hype that um fans or baseball people thought that he was going to when he came over from Japan um because while the Cubs were rebuilding a few years ago they were one of the teams that went after Tanaka and Tanaka um hasn't had the the greatest history in terms of he's got a lot of arm issues and that sort of thing um so I, I see the twins taking a flyer on him and deciding you know what we need starting pitching too if they're going to try to compete in the AL Central and I, I could see the Twins not giving up, a, a, giving a lot of money to Tanaka because he's not one of the top tier pitchers um, in terms of uh, the league. But they could still give him a worthy contract, maybe kind of similar to what like a Lorenzo Cain just got, um, you know, a, a three or four year deal, maybe worth $80 million, $80, $85 million, something like that. I think that would fit him, uh, Tanaka, that as well. Um, but I don't see... Tanaka going back to New York. I think a lot of fans there are frustrated with him. Um, I'm not a, a big fan of Tanaka either. I didn't think I, it was interesting when he came over. You you know you watch his stuff. Dang that he looks really good. And then all of a sudden, you know all these arm issues and it's like oh geez you know. Um, and it kind of sucks because unfortunately a, a lot of Japanese pitchers have had arm issues when they come over from J- uh, from Japan to the United States because of the fact seems that seems to be a common occurrence. Yeah, and they get so many arm issues with their you know whether it be uh, Tommy John surgery or anything like that. It's, it's one of those things where you're just like, Oh geez, like another one just happened. Yeah. You know, this just happened. So at least for, for me, I think the, the twins would be a good flyer team to take him. Um, Mm -hmm. Moving on uh, third baseman, Mike Moustak, as we talked about him a little bit earlier um, in Kansas city, I have him going to New York to the Yankees. Um, and I think you have him going to the other New York team. You have him going to the yeah, Mets. I got, I got him going to the Mets. <laughs> but we both have him going to New York. For me, I think the Yankees make a good fit because I think if they don't get, um, if they don't bring in a guy like a uh, a, a pitcher wise like you, Darvish or a um, uh, a Jake Arrieta or something like that, um, they have a hole at third base because they let Todd Frazier walk. Um, Obviously, I think former Cubs prospect Glaber Torres is going to be up in that discussion of trying to win that job. Um, but as of right now, since they traded away Starling Castro and a few other guys, I think 
Moustakas adding a veteran presence there would be a pretty solid move for them. You know, give them a three or four year deal. I mean, Moustakas had, I think, 30 home runs last year as yeah. a third baseman, which is good. And um, I, I, I don't remember if Moustakas is a, a left handed batter or a right handed batter. Um, but either way, I think it's one of those teams that could really um, benefit from a third baseman of his caliber, um, especially because of the fact that, you know, when you watch him you know, in the way that he's been playing and everything, he's been making about five and a half million dollars with the Royals. Now, you know, he goes into, um, oh, he's a left, uh, left-handed left bat, by the way. So the fact that, you know, since Yankee Stadium's right field side is so short, um, at a guy who just hit, you know, 38 home runs, he had 38 home runs last year um, into that lineup. I mean, then you have that with Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, you know, and that and Gary Sanchez and all those guys adding a adding a Mike Moustakis there who has 38 home runs, adding him into that lineup, not only an upgrade over Todd Frazier, but your offense gets a little bit better too because he's hitting in a in a pretty friendly left-handed hitter's park. So I think the Yankees would make great sense for him. Um, but and so right. I go to the other side of town with New York, yeah. and I go and I went with the Mets. Um, Rumors have been that they're eyeing Todd Frazier as a as a third baseman to fill in that spot, and I just think Moustakis is just a better option than that. Um, yeah. They went ahead and picked up Jose Reyes for a, a potential third baseman, um, but the nice part about that is Jose Reyes can also play the middle infield along with um, a few of the other guys, Caprera, Rosario, and, and Flores. Like you can get Moustakis, and that'll really round out your infield. Obviously, you can move Jose Reyes to the middle infield. And then you can just mix and match and you get a lot more a lot more tools, a lot more options you can go with with your infield, as well as a as a very solid third base player who can also hit home runs and slug, which who doesn't want that? Um, Obviously, just comes down to price and how the deals will work out. We actually like Musakas has been very quiet, at least rumor wise for the market. We, We have not heard a lot of him for a while now really um basically mostly because it's just everyone's been focused on the pitchers a lot of and then and then the brewers came out and did this whole blockbuster deal with yelp for yelich yeah. and picking up kane we haven't heard much from mustakas and he'll probably be one of the last few to sort of kind of just sort of slither around and sign a deal late into spring training or maybe even right at the beginning of spring training he'll just show up at some team's camp with a the four-year deal or a three-year deal or something like that. This is Moustakis's first time going into free agency, so uh, maybe that that even has a, a role to play in this. Who knows what can happen with him? But last but not least, we have <clears throat> our last player on the list, which is Greg Holland, closer. You, uh, I think we, <laughs> we actually both, both agreed on we this. Did. Yeah, we did. We both, both said he's going to St. Louis, um, or he would go to St. Louis, I should say. Um, but I think it just makes sense. Um, St. Louis needs That's a closer. Kinda... They they definitely need somebody to kind of um, you know move that whole thing along in the back end of the bullpen. And Holland was really good last year, so it, I mean it makes sense from from the Cardinals' standpoint, especially you know that would be something that I think the Cardinals would actually edge the. They need over. a move like this too. Like they've been unusually quiet during this offseason, which is weird for St. Louis. Um, we were we were all expecting uh, up until that Brewers trade that St. Louis would still be sort of playing along. They'd have a decent team. It's not like they were bad last year. I I, I still think they're mismanaged, but um, they 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 seem to have this competitive team still. 
and they haven't really done anything to pick up any new tools, any new anything really. They traded away a few guys um, to free up cap space and and picked up some prospects in return. But I, I think building off of what you were saying is just going ahead and picking up Greg Holland would be nice. It gets them a solid closer. They could probably get him in a decent deal now that the fact that this whole market is stalled out for a while, like why he's not the the top of the line star closer that you'd want, but still you're getting a fairly solid closer. You're going to most likely get him for a decent price. Like if the Cubs weren't going all in on starting pitching and paying those guys, I'd say the Cubs go in on that too, but it doesn't seem like they want to do that now anymore. So the Cardinals seem like the most logical option. There's really nothing that can go wrong for them if they were able to get him at the right price. Yeah, and I think we we both agree with that. Um, two other quick things, and then we're going to wrap up the show. Um, baseball announced uh, Thursday on uh, February 1st that they are expanding the nets um, behind each dugouts at all ballparks across um, the league. Uh, Dylan, I, I've been hearing, or not even hearing, I've been seeing people kind of go back and forth on this. Do you think baseball was the Major League Baseball was a little late on getting this fixed? Or do you oh, think they were definitely they were, late. Or were they, they on were top of it? Definitely late on uh, um, uh, on that note. And it's good to see it now that it's finally expanding. I think it took a little one too many people getting hurt from a ball going into the stands at incredibly high speeds or even a bat potentially potentially flying into the stands before they realized, hey, we need to start expanding out the netting. And really, people may complain, but like, come on, like it's not going to block your view. We watch hockey games through netting. We've done that. If you're a sports fan, like it's fine. You're still there live. You'll still be up close. You'll still be able to see everything. Well, it, and fans complain it. about like the autograph opportunities and stuff. They're only like going to expand it during when the when the ball is in, like when the actual like, um, like after um, inning breaks and stuff like that. And I mean, it's still going to be open during um, warm ups and all of that extra stuff too. It's just once the game's in play, they're expanding they'll move the, nets. the net. Yeah, they'll move the nets out, and then that way, in case a, a foul ball or anything like that comes out, it it'll be right there to stop it. You know. Yeah. Um, I think baseball was good to get it done now. Um, the only as long as it's done, I'm happy. Yeah, like... but I think last year, um, baseball just kind of didn't address it right away because I feel like they were afraid they were going to lose some ticket sales if they did this right away and fans, um you know, were, um, uh, and fans weren't quite ready for it. And they, you know, they paid a lot of money for those tickets, like behind the dugouts and stuff. And if they expanded the netting and stuff, you know, that would have been, you know, fans might be like, Hey, well, it's not worth anymore. Cause now we won't see. So now they want to return the tickets. Well, there's some loss in revenue there for baseball. Um, the other thing too, that I think is, you know, interesting. A lot of people have been, uh, make the argument. Well, if everybody would stop being on their phones during games, you know, maybe they would pay attention and see when the ball. There's is. people who well, those balls go in at a hundred plus miles an hour. Like you're not, and that's well, and that's a on thing. your phone or not on your phone. There's a lot of people who just don't have the reaction time to even come close to being able to react. To and, that th- and that's my point is that there's not a lot of time to react when a, when a pitch is coming at you, uh, when a ball is hit off the bat, and the the exit velocity, as they now call it, is a hundred plus miles an hour you don't have that time to react right instinctively out to get out of the way. Um, and when you look at back on last year, Todd Frazier, when um, he got traded to the Yankees and he hit that girl, that little girl in the stands, um, honestly, baseball should have been right then and there and said, all right, 
let's do this now. We have to get this done so that doesn't happen again. Because I don't know if the little girl was on her on a phone or not, but if she wasn't, I mean, you you kind of have to throw that argument out the window. And even like Ken Rosenthal, who um, is an insider, he's down on the field. You know, usually at like a game once per week for Fox Sports and all that other stuff too. Um, when he's been doing that, he said himself, you know, the ball comes so fast. And, you know, he's gotten a few broken fingers, had to get stitches, that sort of thing. You know, in all of his years of covering it, the balls just come so fast. Even when you when you are paying attention to the game, it's coming at a really high rate of speed. So I think baseball was late on it, but the fact that they were able to do it, and you know, I guess better late than never is what they say. Um, I, I'm just glad they they're getting that fixed up. Um, finally, um, <laughs> this is a, a really a, a, at least kind of amusing story. I mean, I feel bad for the guy, but it's still a little bit of a blessing in disguise for the Cubs. Um, Mark Appel, who was the number one overall pick ahead of Chris Bryant in the draft. Um, the Astros took him with the number one pick. Um, he's retiring at 26 years old. And the article is on Jeez. Bleacher Report. So if you ever want to go read it after you hear our episode today, um, go do so. But he's retiring at 26. And the story behind, like just in general, about how you know he might be one of the the biggest busts in uh you know major league history you know when you when you look at that that is just you know i mean fortunate for the cubs that they were you know they drafted chris bryant but i mean it kind of would be like cubs luck you know if if the astros did take chris bryant and the cubs took mark appel thinking that he'd be you know their ace for years to come and um you know appel's now retiring um that he was traded to the um to the phillies in the ken giles trade um, and he was designated for assignment. Um, but Astros, they took him number one overall. And then the Cubs took Chris Bryant at two overall. Um, the Astros signed him to a, a pretty high bonus deal. So did the Cubs to Chris Bryant. Um, it's just look at how that turned out for it, both teams. Just, like, yeah, it's well, just, I think that's also just the nature of the baseball too. Like it's you both, you look at both guys and they are good on paper at first and, one but turned he, out to be a potential Hall of Famer, and then but if the he other stays, one's retiring at 26. If he stays retired, listen to this, he'd become just the third number one overall pick to never make it to the major leagues, along with Brian Taylor of the New York Yankees in 1991 and Steve Chilcott of the New York Mets in 1966. Hmm. He'd be the third number one overall pick to never make it to the big leagues. Which is pretty... Nuts when you look at it. So no, I know. I don't know. Maybe maybe they made a pretty bad decision on passing on Bryant. <laughs> well, so. I know he had some shoulder issues. Um, I know he was rehabbing from a shoulder like inflammation injury that kept tampering with his 2017 season. Um, but he's he's basically battled against injuries his whole entire professional career ever since he was drafted. Um, he pitched through soreness during his first seasons um, amid expectations that came with you know being the number one overall pick. Um, which only kind of further um, kind of hurted the pain, really. And then in 2016, he underwent season-ending surgery to remove a bone spur um, in his arm. And then he sat alone in his Florida you know, hotel room, basically rehabbing. Um, this is all from the Bleacher Report article, by the way. Um, his latest injury. So Appel began to really kind of ponder um, the game at that point. And, you know, he's 26. He says he has a, a Stanford degree. I have many interests beyond baseball, which I still love, but I have a lot of things I care about. Appel says, I enjoy challenging my mind. My last four years in baseball have challenged my mind. 
but the long minor league bus rides, the isolation during midseason injury rehab, the time away from his family, it all started to wear him down. The game once Mm -hmm. he once loved wasn't as fun as it used to be. He'd lost his place in it. The team he was destined to star on was cruising to 101 wins, and he was rehabbing yet another injury, asking himself the same question over and over again. Is baseball wow. what he's supposed to be doing with his life? And there Seems are only... like he pretty much made a, a decision. A decision. Yeah, yeah. he's not going to be doing it anymore. Um, but just a, a really, as a Cubs fan, thank God, <laughs> thank any sort of, yeah. you know, holiness that you believe in to uh to the heavens that uh the cubs did not select um mark appel um but a lot of people yeah. were saying that he would be contending for a cy young yeah. award in 2016 and of course he never made it so um pretty crazy when you look at it uh, very crazy um so with all that being said cubs fans you know we're very fortunate to be where we are right now um and i can't even imagine what it'd be like if chris bryant um, was drafted uh, twenty or to the Astros, and you know the Astros might have a World Series by uh, before two thousand uh, before last season. Um, yeah. But who knows? But anyways, that's gonna wrap it up for the show this week. Uh, we want to thank you guys again so much for listening and getting involved with the show and all that fun stuff too. Um, by the way, make sure you go ahead and follow us on social media while you're at it. Um, our Twitter account is at 108 bricks pod again that is at 108 bricks capital b-r-i-c-k-s pod p-o-d and then you can also hit us up on facebook where we post the links to all of our episodes and you know retweet stuff and have more fun stuff like that and also you can email the show too and get involved with each broadcast um but again thank you guys so much for listening dylan any final thoughts before we uh we send the viewers or listeners on their way God, I hope to God we finally have we can get some uh give us some signings. Give Please, us something. anything. I it was funny, I was I, I stalled a little bit because I didn't know what I wanted to say because literally there's just so much stuff. Well, next week we'll or our next episode, pitchers and catchers will be reporting, so we'll start our previews for the upcoming season. Thank God. But hopefully by next episode, you Darvish will sign somewhere or God How forbid we something will happen. Like How long some news to report that? on would be incredible. Well, and it usually happens like right in the middle of the week. You know what I mean? Like usually right after you know something big oh, happens. Yeah. It's like after we record. Yeah, almost all the time. So <laughs> chances are we, if something really big happens, we'll do like a, a an impromptu special episode and we'll upload it. And you'll hear our thoughts on that, but. That's all we got for this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. Please go ahead, give us a rating on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe, however you want to do it. Anything will help us out. Thanks for listening, guys. 